Yeah, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'd be interested to hear everyone's thoughts on the Drake Equation stuff, because I think that that, to me, is, is really is really fundamental um, for, like, how I'm, how I'm thinking about him these days. I have some thoughts on uh, on hell. <laughs> um, I I think hell is the regime, and I think that hell is is the idea that there is no other place, actually. And I I think hell is hell is here. I mean, hell is what we're in, if you like. Like it's not. Um, I don't know how to put this. Like hell is the destruction of the idea that there is some other place. I guess I just said that, but somehow to rearticulate it. So that it's the it's the killing of of um, imagination and hope. I guess we would put in a humanist way, but even more than that, it's the it's the I don't know the lockdown of all forms, I suppose. And I think that um, the point that was just made about the internet, kind of always already, the always already internet, um, is is correct. I think you have that idea of the. I don't know whether we want to call it the matrix or whatever from the start. I mean, the moment you have philosophy or metaphysics, you have that and you can, you know, it's basically written in the sky. (laughs) And uh, I suppose then the question maybe becomes one of two, at least two or two main postures that one can assume, one of which is a kind of active posture and the other of which is passive. And this changes how you relate to the sky, I suppose, and that and how everything unfolds. And, you know, in which direction do you orient yourself insofar as it, it matters? <laughs> and I suppose, in a way, like, I, I think about the way in which a gambin was treated, right, in the last year and a half or so. And the kind of, I mean, maybe shocking, but maybe I shouldn't be shocked at the kind of, I mean, horrified response of of supposedly intelligent, politically minded thinkers to what Agamben was saying, and in a way, a lot of what Agamben was saying is merely was merely there is something else, you know, that this is not it, and the fear response that's now completely programmed into almost everyone says, on the contrary, no, this is it. There's nothing else. There's only this matter, this technocratic regime. And it's not even a kind of passive acceptance. It's just pure nihilism and a foreclosure of um, any other relation to the sky or to anything beyond hell and the regime. Mm. Yeah, that is... um that's very interesting. Yeah, that is something that you see a lot of the persecution of Agamben. And one of the, actually, Angelicism had a really great um, article on network spirituality. He had one on the network spirituality in which he invoked Bayong Chul Han, who is probably one of my favorite contemporary thinkers, along with Nina, along with Angelicism, along with all of you guys. And one of the things he noted is that especially at the end of the book psychopolitics is that the way out of this kind of like perma hell that it isn't necessarily physical it's not necessarily material 
which he would just, you could define it as hell. You can define it as neoliberalism, the regime. The, it's all sort of in, encapsulated within the same thing is to elevate or engender the heretical consciousness itself. So in, in a lot of ways, it, it kind of ties back into this whole thing of people wanting these sort of broader metaphysical or political solutions, whether that's a retreat to uh, trad aesthetics or, you know, something like, you know, third industrial Marxism or whatever, I think that the cope is the fact that that, that it really sort of exists within. And I sort of to parallel um, this idea of heretical consciousness is by the, by virtue of doing that, you're sort of undermining this, uh, this hell or this Gestell hell or whatever you want to call it. And, and it's something you have to do within. And it's something that even though it may have material consequences that may have, you know, you may lose out on regime opportunities. You may not gain acceptance into, a, into the party. It's the only sort of thing that can free us from the internal master-slave dialectic of being uh, ahead of one's own enterprise. So in a lot of ways, it's like you should change your pronouns to almost it, it's, and absolve yourself of that sort of subjective, uh, that subjective uh, being, because you know, as Heidegger talks about, you know, uh, in in his kind of like instrumentality vision of uh, of technology, is that the internet was already primed; it was already waiting. You know, our subjectivity we had lost these things a long time ago. And Ernst Jünger talks about not to keep going. Uh, too long because I want you guys to talk more than me. I feel like a fucking idiot talking too much. But uh, one last thing is that he spoke about the sort of end of romantic metaphysics was in World War One, when you had the German army, you know, show up with horses and bayonets to a war where, uh, you know, and storm and drang and all these sort of like, you know, exiting the kind of neo-romanticist period uh, those metaphysics were still very alive that they brought to World War One, lacking the technology of the British Army, which had machine guns, and they just got leveled. And that was sort of almost, for him, the end of subjectivity itself, the end of being itself. That was sort of um, when pure Gestell or pure ground uh, presence, Rigpo, whatever you want to call it, that's kind of when it subsumed being entirely. Yeah, I think kind of like going off of um, what you're talking about with psychopolitics, I know like you were very like, I don't know, like very vocal, but talking about like the idiot, the retard, um, kind of as like Young Cho will we'll talk about it. Um, and I feel like that's kind of like a big part of like both the vibe shift and how like, um, again, like the vibe the retard shift list, the retard list, Perfect. great example too. Um, but just kind of how there's like this very like playful riffing happening within this circle where like you really have kind of like hyperstition in action where like you can make a soph into a Sophia Vanderbilt or like a honor levy into like a low IQ honor levy with like her TikTok and those types of things. Um, and it kind of like really plays into like how, again, we're talking about like social conditions and like how you're expected to use the internet depending on where you're at. Um, and even in Canada, it's insane on like surveillance of like, you need to have your personal identity attached to like your Twitter account. I've had friends talking about just like issues with that. Um, but 
Yeah, I feel like that kind of like retarding out is like a big part of kind of like what lets the angelicism vibe space really like move and permeate through like different environments in different ways. Yeah, I, actually, there's that's really interesting that you should say that because I feel like in a lot of ways, like when you think about Junger in relation to this stuff, like the retard is in, in some ways the opposite or the anti Junger figure because like there's a great part of Heidegger where he writes about Junger's essay on pain, which is like a yeah. really great Junger essay. And one of the things that Junger says, according to Heidegger is basically like that in the face of like machination and like the resupply of, of being by like, you know, being becoming ammunition, right? Like in the face of this, there is kind of like a beautiful unity that occurs when the worker is completely dissolved into the machine and becomes a component that's being used by the machine. He describes it as being, you should sacrifice your body like an outpost in a war. Um, and he talks about this Japanese general who learned that his son had been uh, killed it, killed it, it, at battle and said, you know, this is great news. And he smiled. And Junger puts this next to this other example from the Japanese military where they would have people crawl into missiles and serve as like living targeting systems for the missile. And Junger is very like, he, he's, he's, he's almost deifying this as like um, a sort of, in the same way he does in Storm of Steel, deify kind of the experience of battle. And for Heidegger, he, he ultimately rejects this, this like Junger yeah. view. And he totally. moves towards, he moves towards something which he says, Gestell turns over into. And it's interesting because people interpret him as a critic of technology, but in many ways, what he was actually saying was the very vulnerability that being has to being replaced by technology. You know, you can think of content like the newsfeed as information as an imminently replaceable commodity that is just always being resupplied to you as if the last piece of information, the next one that's coming are exactly the same ontologically, right? There's, there's this way that, um, there's this way that the perpetual resupply of being is only possible because being is open to us in this way, right? Like, and this is the events of being. So that this, this, the, the being with the dash in the middle of it and not the being of being in time. And it's this sense that like uh, things are open to us enough so that we could violate them and completely replace them. But the very possibility, their very vulnerability to that is, is kind of their beautiful openness to us and what, and so that's, that's how, that's how at the end of Gestell, at the end of a total machination, you could have like a vibe shift and you could have network animism and network spirituality. And I feel like the retard really does emerge as a, as a pivotal figure here because it's like there's a uh, Heidegger's sort of retard was like this uh, mystical retard who like basically lived in the woods and, and was, <laughs> you know, involved in what he called Galassenheit or like meditative yeah. releasement. But the retard of today is like involved in a different kind of releasement that's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, it's hard for us to imagine going back to that Heideggerian releasement, which is really a, sort of a pre-Cold War figure. And now we have like a new kind of releasement, you know, which is like also like absurdly funny. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a comic aspect to all of this. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, have, I have a really basic, I don't know, like dumb point to make, but I was thinking of like... Um, the idiots and retards like as messengers like if they are like angels themselves and it's interesting to think is like everyone on the retard list as like a sort of special angel that has something really unique to communicate i don't know if that's what angelicism meant but like i don't know i i was just thinking of like angels as messengers as nina was saying um and I don't know, because I don't know, retards just have a different way of thinking. It just makes sense. I don't know. 
No, I think that point's super essential with like the variety of like intelligences being carried by the people on the retard list. Um, the fact that it's like a place where you're having like like Leah Gotti juxtaposed with like Simone Way juxtaposed <laughs> with like Munker 178 who's creating like SoundCloud music from like the Philippines and Australia. Like so many people with like different forms of messages they're trying to communicate. And like, I think that like idea of like the retard angel, like bringing these intelligence into being um, is such like a vital part of like the different forms of intelligences that we're only going to continue to see like in this century as like the former like linear writing type or like types of messages only continue to like decline in prevalence as like we switch towards like how do we perceive images and like different sounds, um, whether like however they're composed or collaged together or like machinated in like new things, kind of like deep fakes, Black Dean Kissick, <laughs> just like truly like seeing things get like detourned and play with in like new frontiers that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I think like it's really crucial that all of it is like, it's kind of an if you know, you know situation where like there's concealment to it. And like, you know, when Nino was talking about the sky earlier, it's like, where do angels live? Like they live in the sky. Like Heidegger says the sky is like the weathering medium for the appearance of the divinities. And he says the divinities are messengers, as you're saying, they're all messengers and they give us hints. They don't reveal things completely. They reveal a certain kind of like recessed quality or a concealment. And so the retard list is like a series of like, you know, reversals. Like the first half is like a reversal of the second half and like the second retard list is a reversal of the first list. And like, there's this way that everything is reconcealed in the process of these reversals and repetitions. And that enables the angels to be in waiting as just hinting figures and not these kind of presenced metaphysical angels that we expect to disclose fully to us, you know, reality at once. Yeah, totally. I agree with all of that. And I think this question of, um, I don't know, varying intelligences and the mode of communication. I mean, if you look at what people like Augustine and Aquinas are saying about the kind of speech that angels have, for example, or the way in which they communicate, um, you know, and the relationship between like the sky and the earth, like this idea of the ladder, um, they don't speak um, necessarily, they almost speak kind of telepathically um, according to Aquinas, like they have this kind of inner speech and that's motivated purely by, by will. And, you know, there's kind of like these endless debates, of course, about like whether angels have a body or if they, you know, if they speak in some way, then must they have a tongue? But is the tongue made of light? And do they have a sex? And, and you know, these kind of very, very like seemingly scholastic, but I think incredibly uh, important questions because they're really asking the question of mediation itself. And um, however you kind of... Uh, I don't know, cash that out or fill that out uh, or not. In fact, you know, the more you can remain on the side of light and the um, the belly, uh, the belly formed, I suppose. And again, I, I I just keep thinking of this this idea of heaviness and and light and ascension. And I think this idea of the the cancelled as <laughs> you know, those people who in a way have uh, undergone this uh, almost like spiritual uh, or like been given a message in a certain way. Uh, which is uh, not without its kind of spiritual um, dimensions um, in a way to be turned against the regime or to be kind of uh, exposed to the regime in its kind of worst uh, demonic, heavy, uh, 
state and to somehow also be allowed to escape that and to have a, a different relation to the to to something outside I guess is uh yeah so I I think all of these um different ways of conceiving of intelligence are integral to how we would understand uh angels absolutely yeah, yeah and I you should go for it. Oh, no. I, I find it interesting in uh, his Alt-Lit is Extinct essay when he talks about angels in regards to New York. And this is kind of where the the gossip stuff comes into play. But again, a lot of this is just proliferated catchphrases without actually going in and detailing the fact that this wasn't some premeditated, um, you know, uh, play for clout. I mean, he talks about... For the New York of the 21st century, the angel becomes not a messenger, but an intense atavistic gossip. And I think that's kind of where the, the low IQ honor levy. And I, I see New York City almost as this place of just, um, you know, endless kind of, uh, you know, there is a sort of weird thing where it is very sort of insider baseball. There is a lot of gossip. It it, it's slightly off-putting to me, but again, like this is, this is an outsider observation. These are not sort of inside observations. So sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way in which like gossip becomes pure speech, though. That's that's the thing. I mean, like if you, I mean, even the Heidegger of, of being in time, you have this idea of radar and garada, and that the idea of authentic and inauthentic speech and. You know, he talks about silence as potentially being a more authentic mode of communication. But I think there is a sense in which, like, gossip, in the age of hyper-communication, gossip is the pure form of communication. And I think it's also, like, a force, you know, if you look at the way that rumor appears in, like, the Roman epics. You know, it's like an extinction-level force, the force of gossip. And I think it's a force that, you know, participates in the extinction and is, like, a feminized, you know, extinction force. And I, th I think that that... that gets a little bit into you know why it's like there's there's a lot of like girls that a lot of this really centers around um but but yeah i uh i, I definitely i definitely think that that the way that gossip is being deployed here is um it's like a return to like a deep time mode of gossip that is that is not the sort of um consumer gossip economies you have now so when like it's, there is something like off-putting but what I find like interesting and challenging about it is that it is it's working, you know, alongside this thing that like a lot of academics would just ignore and then and, and kind of thereby sort of like, you know, partition themselves outside of like, you know, if you think about like Benjamin Bratton or something like that, like there's a there's a sort of New York academic who like is just completely in their own sort of like intellectually gentrified bubble. And there's uh, almost like a necessity to engage with these like seemingly trivial late late sort of extinction event forms that uh, like appears in his work as a necessity. And I think that's a huge part of why it's raising the stakes for everybody that he's writing all of this stuff. Like it, it is, it is raising the stakes in a real way to, um, to take on like, uh, like this sort of retarded duty to sort of bridge these gaps. No, 100%. Like one of the biggest things I always think about is he's more or less the only theorist like actively engaging in SoundCloud. And for yeah. me, I like the bridge between like jazz and how it's now like something that's academically studied. And like, you can read like Moten on like so much shit going on there. 
but like who right now is doing contemporary work about like what like astro and slur and other people are doing with like how they're creating new intelligences is like incredibly important for me and then honestly when you're kind of thinking about like the gossip aspect of like especially new york city where things do just like incredibly ripple and because of like the proximity of like to some extent like we've hit this point where like again like the new york culture kind of like where is it upstream and downstream downstream from um and he's kind of proving like the internet like creating those kind of waves of how things happen and i'm thinking of like the piece he wrote on like honor levy's like private instagram story where she just like went off for like 20 some minutes like discussing like a reading that was held um and again like you're talking about like the way gossip kind of happens now where like there's like the pure gossip of like not online whatsoever and you have kind of like these private um gossip behind like close friends and private stories and even like especially in like a hyper police time with the pandemic just like someone's close friend's stories became like a controversial um type topic and then there's also like the real kind of like trumpian thing he does with like playing with names and making that a thing like the same way like Trump kind of made like Elizabeth Warren like Pocahontas. He does the same things again with like Honor, with So, with Walt, with um, Joshua Cinderella. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's very much like you're seeing these types of like mimetic strategies and kind of action that are like super interesting. Yeah, there's also this kind of idea that um, if we didn't have angelicism, it's like he even writes and Altlet is extinct that someone else will have to do it or worse of all, nobody will do it. So there's kind of this extincto collaborative time that we're in and trying to sort through. Um, like Pool Boy, when you wrote in Church Fruit, like um, that when you're looking at the rest of our posts, it's like, you know, these posts are more than their replaceability exactly because that's what threatens them. Um, and so it's like, we're kind of at war chasing down like the ends of the ends here. And uh, also in Altlet is Extinct, um, Angelicism wrote that Angelicism 01 was even an experiment in wondering how far this all goes, why it's possible to call everyone a retard or a retard in quotes. And it was a mathematical quote mathematical gesture that lit up his heart because oh god it's so dumb you know just like we're just you know recognizing that we're at this stage where we could all be you know in quotes retarded and what that means yeah I I think that um no that's that's definitely really true and I, I think that there's this sense that like what's going on here it it can't help but become like um, entangled in in the language of its own object. And that's really what sets it apart. And part of why it's raising the stakes is because there's uh, there's a sense, you know, like Heidegger talks about how the history of being can't be preached or dogmatized or taught. You have to basically listen with the history of being. And he talks about how the historian traditionally creates creates the world as a sphere that they look at. And, you know, I just think about like Pacific Rim and like infinity war and like just these sort of like, uh, you know, these, these images of like guys in like control rooms that we get in like these, uh, sort of like modern hyper fictions that are all sort of just distillations of like cold war command centers, Vietnam command centers. And it's like, 
there's a sense that like we are in a real infinity war and like Thanos is real. And like, what's like, what's, what's happening right now is that like, uh, posting with like, you know, posting in a way that like is, is like listening, you know, with, with the vibe shift or, or, or is, uh, you know, like with, with, as far as SoundCloud goes, it's like, he's not writing about SoundCloud because they're fucking N plus one articles and shit like that about like SoundCloud, mm-hmm. you know, and those have existed forever. But like what he's writing about is, is he's, he's writing with it and he's in the process of doing that turning Substack into SoundCloud. And like, there's almost, it's almost like a, a Burroughs level of like writing with the object. Yeah, it's like he's writing with the SoundCloud as a network and how it functions. Um, and honestly, in terms of kind of thinking of like, the Substack vibe shift sort of thing is I always really think of like how collaboration occurs across SoundCloud with like physical geography is not even a thing. It's totally on like, where are you at? Like ideologically, but like ideologically in the sense of like, what is like your sonic ideology? Um, And even in like the piece, like SoundCloud infinite niches that he wrote, he addressed like the Tarpley hit type soundcloud rap like name they put on it when you're talking about like a juice world or like a little peeper in x and how like it's morphed into so much more beyond that in like the last two years and how it's just like because of that sort of a network um it just creates this machine that can like further and further and further abstract itself the same way like we saw like chicago drill start as like a genre in like the early 2010s and then see that flow over to the UK, see that flow over back to New York to create like New York drill and like pop smoke and like the like now like specter of like death and like establishment kind of like holding up a voice just to like gouge it for profits. And even there, like that same sound is like flowed over to like Jersey and mixed with like Jersey club to create like super innovative things. The same way that kind of happens on like more of like an IRL slow basis um, with like mass migrations of sound simply just like the level of of like innovation that you see in SoundCloud because of how it operates as just like a network on that level um, just creates like incredible things. I think he says it's like pornographic dataism is the phrase he used. (laughs) Yeah. um, Which is just like an incredible way to kind of like phrase it. Yeah. And I think that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say something about polyphony and angels and how they're not allowed to sing more than one note. (laughs) in the liturgy like it's very strange but I, I wonder if you you know there might be a kind of uh hyperphony which is you know maybe what you're talking about that kind of might be hyper angelic somehow <laughs> I don't know <laughs> no I think it, it's saying. really interesting <laughs> to try to like how do you contextualize just what's going on especially I mean like from talking about like the discussion of like angels with Barrett um, like the musicians in point, which I think are like some of the best examples of like kind of how Angelicism approaches SoundCloud with like Astral and Slur are very much like into like Satan and like demon worship. And I almost have always interpreted that as like a form of like decolonization in terms of like the typical like Christian religion like thrust onto like African Americans in this country is like a form of colonization and like even on that level it's like a radical act of like resistance and they're not going to like phrase it like that way when they talk about it and then even spreading into like the other kind of more like